but you know, we're you're in the third to, quarter though. Yeah. Deep in the third quarter. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Gotta get her done. Our job is to help you win. The destination is I will be a disciple who can make disciples. We got to watch people see themselves as world changers. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Powerful verse, powerful words of Jesus. And they give us an idea of the role of content when it comes to making disciples. Main point here, truth is critical, but freedom, according to Jesus in that verse, was the point. You will know the truth, and boy, do you need the truth. But the truth isn't about truth. The truth is a means to an end that we call freedom. Jesus said that it's for freedom that you've been set free. Well, except that wasn't Jesus at all. That was Paul. Good stuff. Galatians 5.1. Welcome to the Disciples Made Podcast. My name is Brian Phipps, and today we're going to be talking about content flavored, and it has everything to do just with that verse right there. And I'm welcome. I want to welcome today to the podcast a friend of mine co-pastor in the area. His name is Dan McKnight, and he pastors at Caw Prairie Community Church in the area. Beautiful man, beautiful church, beautiful people. Dan, tell us about yourself. How long have you been here? What's the quick story of Caw Prairie? Catch us up to who you are. Well, thanks. Thanks for the welcome, Brian. Thanks for the kind words. So Caw Prairie has been a church for about 16 years. I'm the planter, so I'm getting a little long in the tooth, but but I have a vision that's even farther and longer. So I I don't think God's done with me there yet, and it is it is just an amazing congregation. So we are a denominationally connected congregation. We are half Lutheran, half Presbyterian, kind of the more progressive denominations in those families, ELCA, PCUSA. We have a Christ First Community Church kind of vibe, uh, modern contemporary worship with uh, topical sermon series like you'd expect. Well, like like most churches that that have that focus nowadays. And uh, our mission is to change lives with Jesus's love. And we have a, a, a kind of a three-step vision idea for the church to, to be a church that's learning how to trust Jesus, grow disciples, and grow as disciples, and then bless others in hmm. his name. It's a great community. We have uh, been in existence for about 16 years since I first went door knocking in all sorts of neighborhoods. I'm sure I knocked on the previous owner of this house at oh, one wow. point. Yeah. Because we've been here a while as well. Yeah. Well, now that I know you're here, I'll come knocking again. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we got to get that Whether it's for up, poker Anna. or the sauna, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I saw a lot of signs when I went door knocking. It was a, it was a, a fun way to, to be an apostle. And anyway, so yeah, we're a church with a kind of an apostolic message. We are casual on the outside, serious on the inside. Hmm. Kind of one of our tags, and it has been a seriously awesome ride. Sometimes more serious, sometimes more awesome. Hmm. Uh, so about at our age, we had about nine years of kind of uninterrupted, just awesome growth and things like that. By 2013, we began a series of, you know, difficulties for a church that's named after, you know, waving amber waves of grain and things like that. It was a little bit more like a like a storm tossed sea. Ouch. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, a lot of it was my my fault as the leader. You know, just kind of being naive or dumb or inattentive. Um, sometimes worthwhile gambles that sometimes paid off. Sometimes they didn't but never lost our heart for changing lives with Jesus's love. Mm. And 
it's been a yeah been an incredible ride i've got an incredible team great colleagues and we are just roaring to go for the future whatever god lets the future be like in this kind of covert environment that we're in currently Gotcha. So without going too far, you said, um, I'm still long in vision. Now, then you kind of splayed out, here's our mission statement. Here's kind of our way of doing that. Several things. Did all those include that vision or is there a vision that's in your head that you haven't yet shared and what you just shared? Because that that little comment struck me like, I know I've got a role left. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, at my age, which is close to your age, there is we still still a little mi- still mileage on the odometer left. Yeah. But you know, we're you're in the third to, quarter though. Yeah, deep in the third quarter. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Got to get her done. You know, and to me, the penalty box even looks like a. I guess I'm mixing mixing analogies, but <laughs> in the third period, the penalty box looks a little restful. So um, I'm willing to go. take a few more risks. No, I think that that. And I'm I'm an, I'm a more of an adopter than an innovator for sure. I I just find smart people, which is how I found you, right? And mm. uh, and try to learn what I can from them. Yeah, we recognize that the the, the future of the church to grow big is is to grow small. We've always mm. we've always been um, a church that valued small groups. We've had great seasons where they were very strong, and a majority of the congregation, others where they were a little weaker. So so growing small, not just in quote small groups and Bible studies like that. Um, now with the followers made um, system and, and and environment that we're in has been amazing, but also looking at how do we in the time of COVID and a lot of online worship take our take our kind of more creatively done worship services to a to a broader audience that's maybe not maybe not close to Christ yet. Hmm. So so yeah, and, and then how do we have you know, home groups, small groups that, that are able to be micro churches, if wow. you would, or maybe micro satellites. However, <laughs> a lot of lot of innovation and culture or language to create and to figure out in that whole conversation. Yeah, we're 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 kind of black sheep in our denomination, but but not not disliked black sheep, right? I mean, there mm. we are. We're a little outside the typical of either of those denominations. In a number of ways, but we're trying to be faithful to the, you know, try to dance with the guy that brung you, right? Uh, <laughs> and these I, are the two that prayed us and gave us into being. So I love that. I love that. Well, we've told our listeners that we're going to regularly provide not just ideas about disciple making that we find to be uh, important, like uh, I'll, I'll go through all the five pillars of the IDE real quick and then invite people to consider the one that we're here to talk about today. But we, we've also promised uh, best practices, which we like to bring people on that are using them to get those best practices. That's one of the reasons that you're here. Honest discussion, uh, but people that are actually doing it. Who are the people in the field trying to take these ideas that we've been talking about and put them into uh, play. So that's why we have Dan here today. And it's fun. Dan's not a discipleship guy as far as that's a department job. You're a discipleship guy as the pastor whose church has a vision to carry out the great commission of Jesus, which is to make disciples and then to bless people uh, through those disciples. I really, I really like that a lot. Um, so that's why you're here. So we're just wanting you to be honest with us. Tell us the pains. Tell us the struggle, you know, the, the joys, all those kind of things. So we've got a few questions in front of us. But real quickly, let me, let me go back and just review the IDE. The first one that we talked about, one of the first pillars is outcome focused. Everything that we do in disciple making needs to be focused on developing character and calling. Those are the two ways that the Spirit of God changes us. 
the the character is the fruit of the spirit calling is the gifts of the spirit if we focus on those two things radical things happen in them and then through them the second thing we talked about is habit fueled and we realized that it's not content that it can actually bring about the transformation it's the habits I can't go to the CrossFit gym, read the manual, and get better abs. I've got to read the manual to learn how to work out well. The habits of of calisthenics that will actually get those abs done. So we talked about habit fuel today. We're going to talk about content flavored. And then, hold on, we're going to talk more about community fours. What does our intentional community structure around us look like? And how do we structure that in a way that we best grow and best influence others in the process of our growth? And then finally, what's this all aimed at anyway which is mission fixated so we're talking about content flavored i started the whole podcast with that verse from jesus you will know the truth and the truth will set you free truth is critical but it's a means to an end absolutely and for us especially the clarity that we've we've gotten over the last probably year when yeah when our growth curve was interrupted again uh, with a with a theological disagreement um, between a good number of the elders and, and myself um, we've we've got more clarity that it's it's the truth of the gospel that, that is the hill we're gonna die on right not the not the interpretations of of, of other points of truth that are, are less important in the in the in the mission of bringing freedom to the world that Christ died to save. You know, Martin Luther, uh, did I tell you I was a Lutheran? <laughs> Martin Luther. I don't think Luther was a Lutheran. Yeah, but, uh... yeah I think he'd, he'd, probably, he'd probably roll his eyes and be pretty unhappy that that turned out to be the case, right? That's so funny. But, uh, you know, he's got this, he's got this uh, famous quote that's the, the scripture is like the manger. The, it, the job mm-hmm. of the scripture is to support the Christ child and, and not vice versa. So um, yeah, we we are we are a good news proclamation. That's the truth, and that's the truth that sets people free from their guilt, from their shame, from their from their uselessness, the self feeling of uselessness. I mean, that's that's the truth that we where we plant the flag is that's the gospel good. of resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's so good. We really spent time last week uh, when we were talking about uh, content flavored. Brian Johnson and I did that podcast. Um, you can look back at that and check that out. We wanted to make sure that people recognize that we're not saying that the gospel doesn't matter. Right. And we're not even saying that the gospel doesn't uh, have the highest priority in our lives for what we are to believe, how we are to live, and all of those things. We're talking about content uh, in the case of, like Dan, you just said, other material that supplements the Bible, helps Mm -hmm. us understand the Bible, and then even portions of the scripture in itself, not to say that they're not authoritative, they're the only authoritative uh, word. We talked about some of those things, but the truth of the scripture isn't the point. Jesus didn't worship a book. Right. He is the book. <laughs> yes, that's he a great way to put it. He is the logos. He is the truth. He is that from through whom we are set free. He is the truth. And his word is a representation of that. It's an explanation of that, expounding of that, that shapes who we are but it serves a purpose. Now, moving away from scripture itself into other books like that, what we're trying to say with this idea of content flavored is that, well, it's not like vanilla or this, but it's there's different truth that people need to receive at different times or different content that's more appropriate to where they are. Just a couple of those phases are, uh, the phases we talk about are explore, develop, influence. 
You know, Peter went through those phases with Jesus. You know, Peter was probably somewhat of a skeptic when he first met Jesus. And so the curriculum or the content for Peter's life was some introductory things like the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, all those materials. And come watch as I feed 5,000 people with this little boy's lunch. (laughs) That's a pretty good set of content. Yeah, that's an object lesson that I'm sure stuck with him. Right. (laughs) Very much so. But at one point it moved from uh, content that helped Peter explore whether or not Jesus was the king. Once he acknowledged that Jesus truly was the the Messiah, the, the training went to take up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. He didn't start with take up your cross. He said, come and see, right? That's right. explore and then take up your cross and follow. And then toward the end, the leadership lessons were incredible. Are you really going to take up your cross? And then it was kind of feed my sheep. It's time for you to take over. Let's back up. So that's content flavored. You at Caw Prairie came looking to disciples made. You kind of made a funny little crack about that earlier because you're a smart person or something like that (laughs) but you came knocking on the disciples made door what is it that you were in search of what was going on at Caw Prairie I'm imagining that many of our listeners right now are probably experiencing things similar to what you guys the questions you were asking them what was what was on your mind back in the day so I think what brought brought me so eagerly to whatever whatever presentation or workshop I dropped in on you in, in a random Johnson County, Kansas church, um, kind of three things as I, as I uh, did a little reflection on it. One is a, a Caw Prairie member, um, Katie Kane, who you know is just you know gold. Uh, she she's uh, She and her husband were veterans of the, of the Followers Made groups, and you have seen in her uh, quite a lot of leadership potential and, and, and have called her to use it. Um, we've done the same thing. She runs our, our Disciples Made um, ministry at Caw Prairie. Um, but what I noticed was she she quietly but persistently would share what was happening in her Followers Made group. And I'm like, yeah, I know Brian. Well, tell me more. Um, at, then there's a second thing probably is the history. I don't want to say they were they were all failed attempts. Some of them were actually quite successful for, for years. I mean, at our church and with with my background, we've we've used Nikki Gumbel's Alpha Course, Andy Stanley's Starting Point courses, Wayne Cordero's Soap Model, the oh, yeah. Discover Bible Study, the Lectio Divina, and most recently Mike Breen's 3DM model. That uh, probably the last group that I formed was maybe about a dozen guys, mostly young men in their late 20s, early 30s, and just had the best time that I've had in in years up to that point with this group using using the 3dm stuff but i got to the end of it and i saw them like looking at me with wide open eyes like okay what's What's next (laughs) and i'm like you know we need help in sunday school and it just i realized that that for the impact that christ wanted to have in their hearts in their lives to bring to completion or to bring to fruitfulness the seeds that he'd allowed me to be part of planting, mm. we needed to have something that was scalable. And my spiritual gifts do not include really, really tight organization. And so we needed an organized system that allowed us to scale and allowed leaders to be grown. I mean, I, I had men lead the, the Bible study, but it was always I had to kind of come up with a system each night, each differently, and man, so so it was that frustration that I, I was this close hmm. to seeing something take off, but I didn't have the gifts, and and, and hadn't met someone with the gifts to uh, to take to the next level. 
And then probably the most important reason is that, you know, I met you 10 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. I invited you to come over to our church, meet uh, me and another pastor on staff. And I was just impressed. You, You had just come to town relatively. Yeah. And we'd already heard great things about you. And I'm like, wow, that guy has got it going on. I've got to pay attention to him. And like most busy people, I didn't pay attention (laughs) until, I mean, we bumped into each other, but I really didn't look again until Katie had mentioned what an awesome experience Disciples Made was being for her and her husband. So that's what brought us there. And I have not, I've not been disappointed. In fact, I've been just spiritually on fire, inviting me Hmm. into the Leaders Made um, pod with just gifted other pastors, uh, entrepreneurial and faith-filled business people and um, random friends of you, not random, carefully, oh, yeah. prayerfully selected, selected friends yeah. and acquaintances of yours. It, so that was just immensely filling. And then that gave us the energy. And we've had, I mean, just in the 18 months or so, we've probably had close to 10 different followers made groups. And and from those groups, we've seen a new worship director rise. Wow. Um, we're doing uh, race and grace Zoom conversations about the, the racial implicit bias that exists in the world today. And one of those followers made guys is part of that planning team now. And Wow. Um, so people are coming into their calling. People are finding their calling. Yeah. And they've got the language and the, and the visual system and the encouragement that comes down from, from you and your team. So. Hmm. That's awesome. You keep using a word. I don't know if you even recognize you, you've used it probably eight or nine times in Yikes. the last couple of minutes. Uh, system. Mm. The word system. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people, uh, that systems is a very difficult word to get your head around. In fact, I would, you know, it's kind of funny that to say this, but 15 years ago, if you had asked me to try to create systems for the church, I remember listening actually to, uh, well, they were called CDs back then. They call them podcasts now of people talking about you need to develop systems if you want to grow past, you know, 250 mm-hmm. or 225 even. And, and I couldn't grow a church past that and to take it beyond it and keep it there because I did not have any type of systems bone in my body. But when I was invited to come to West Side, it's the first time I've ever been invited to be a part of a mega church. I knew that if I was going to thrive in that role or even survive in that role, I had to start to understand systems. So I started to learn and learn and learn. And in the pursuit of that process, I learned about systems. And I had this kind of disciple-making pathway idea created in my head because of that. People start, and like I rolled out with Peter, Peter started with Jesus telling him, you know, come and see, or inviting him, come and see. And then it was come and follow, which is take up your cross, you know? And then it was more of a come and die, surrender. You're, you're on the team now, and now you're a lot like me who's gonna give your life uh, for this grander mission, come and feed my, my sheep. And it's like, well, then 100% of the people that are pursuing Jesus are somewhere along that pathway. What do they need? in order to help them move on down the path mm-hmm. and not get stuck in one place. And so you just listed a number of different resources there that are all incredible resources. Yes, right? absolutely. As you talked about 3DM, mm-hmm. fantastic toolbox mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of experiences and diag- you know, tools to be able to, just, uh, images, diagrams to be able to uh, disciple one another forward. Well, where does that fit in the explore, develop, influence? How does it, how does it become a part of a system mm-hmm. that intentionally sees those? And I think they've got those answers. 
And Mike Breen is one of the most brilliant, most influential people I've ever read. And so, but that's the question. Where does it fit? Starting point, alpha, incredible, incredible resources. Where do they fit? To me, that's an easy one. They fit right there at Explore. Right. And, and I've, I've heard you, I mean, first of all, you're, you're a consummate, gracious man, Christ follower and colleague. I mean, I've heard you sing the praises of, of those individual oh, yeah. men and, and, and their churches and their systems. And, and you've always found a way in the, in the groups I've been a part of to say, I think this fits here. And there's not a selfish bone in your body. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe playing poker. I, I, I have my seen daughter's that. here. She'll be right, different, so. but you know. <laughs> but yeah. So, but I had I didn't have the, I didn't have the breadth of of vision or the yeah or the systems intelligence to to see how those could fit together. And, and you've and you and the disciples made a paradigm have provided that. Yeah. And the point that I'm driving to is that you really have to have that kind of systems mentality to get what we're trying to say when we say content flavored. Alpha is extraordinarily valuable, but it's not as valuable for a person who's learning to influence as it is for someone who's seeking Jesus. Right, right. Starting point, great, you know, same thing. Discovery Bible study was one that you, you mentioned there with Wayne Cadero, so kind of obedience-based stuff. Fantastic tool for anybody along the face, mm-hmm. but better for people that are just being introduced to this idea. Right. We teach theology and our leaders made. We mm-hmm. help you process theological ideas that are difficult to process. Probably more helpful for the person at the you know influence level of development than explore. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we want folks to be able to get. You know, who is the the target? What is the primary goal for their spiritual formation at the time? And what's the most appropriate content to help them get there? Yeah, and from a content-flavored perspective, I noticed in, well, in both of these experiences that that I've been blessed to be a part of, the the bibliography, trying to use big words, right? So I sound smart on your podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... So the books we've read, you know, they 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 ran the gamut so that if you've got a grace centered, mm. grace over law type of leaning, you've got, you know, Tim Keller and the Prodigal God, you've got the the scripture that sings to your heart, and then you've got Jerry Bridges and Pursuit of Holiness. And that challenges, well, you know, it challenged me at all levels, right? Leaders made, followers made, it challenges the people in my church. We're like, nah. <laughs> but by but by having a structure that walks us through it, we start to see where our blind spots are. And and so even the, the content is is flavored knowing you're feeding a, a family around a table where where the kids have different uh, different preferences yeah and some days it's broccoli some days it's ice cream sandwich but you're gonna try this all kids <laughs> yes so yeah you're you're introducing one of our strategies is we we don't really ever want to tell people what to think we want to teach them how to think and so one of the things that we do with our content intentionally is create cognitive tensions mm-hmm share content that comes at the truth, the unchanging authoritative truth of scripture and interprets it in ways that are somewhat in conflict. Mm -hmm. Because personally I've grown in those tensions. It's usually when I kind of get the Bible figured out and get God figured out and put it in this nice little category that my growth stops. It's only when I'm introduced to new ideas, which 
if you look at this from a long-term systemic approach, you leverage content to flavor disciple-making experiences in order to catalyze people from one level to the next. I know I'm being redundant about this, but here's the reason I ask, and Dan, let me pose this question to you, maybe a little off the cuff. We have received some pushback about this language called content flavored as if we somehow diminished the role of scripture. Do you remember the first time you heard that and what kind of response you might have had when you did? I do remember hearing it and I remember raising my eyes, not because I was alarmed, I just appreciated the the bold pairing, right? The, hmm. the juxtaposition, content sounds so serious and flavored sounds so flighty. <laughs> That's good. We want honest conversation here. But what I what I came to appreciate was I'm, I'm trying to think of who the thinker was that was comparing you know kind of the Hebrew model of of learning the rabbinical style right mm-hmm. with with a bunch of didactic yeah versus the didactic model of the yeah. Greek teachers right? right right and so I'm thinking of a bunch of unruly but mostly friendly rabbis gathering around you know after a meal or or just for just to argue but like like friends at a bar or at a poker game or over a meal you know you you yell you joke you jab you poke but you know you love each other and and one of the things i i preach quite a bit it's not the most theologically deep thing i've ever said for sure well there aren't maybe many of those but what i <laughs> what i do say is being right isn't all it's cracked up to be hmm. there's there's a goal that god gives us in, in our kingdom calling that's not about making sure we're 100% right before we do anything or even making sure we're 100% right before we we lay down here and meet our maker in heaven, right? It's, it's a relationship both with the Lord and with the people that he's called us to, to live among and bless. And I think content flavored is an invitation to people. It, yeah. it, makes, it makes the dinner, honestly, a buffet which hopefully will someday come back to being because I, I miss those a lot now. But but it allows different you to sample different foods, to, to gain hmm. wisdom from them, to compare how this tastes to that taste, and allows you kind of to your point a few minutes ago, it teaches you a sense of critical thinking and a, and a, a critical thinking in a, in a real healthy way that says, I've got to work out with fear. I got to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Hmm. Not that I'll get it wrong, but that it's such a beautiful gift. And I want to get it right for my life and how to serve the Lord in my life. So I, I thought, I thought the word, I thought the pairing was delightful and it's, it got, it's gotten deeper the more I've thought about it. That's, that's encouraging. One of the things I like about that is, and I can feel some listeners perhaps tensing up a little bit saying, wait a minute, are you saying that there's not a right and a wrong? And I don't hear you saying that at all. What I hear you saying is you can be so focused on being right that you're wrong in how you're right. (laughs) Yeah. You're wrong relationally in the way you were right, perhaps intellectually or cognitively or scripturally faithfully or or whatever it is in fact i i was a part of and i don't i don't mean to be intentionally hurtful about this in any way but there was a denomination that i was a part of for uh, well over 15 years you're still a denomination guy 
And I love that denomination. I, I really found what it meant to be a disciple in that denomination. Uh, I learned richly and benefited greatly from that. And I still believe that the theological heritage that I came from is the richest and the rightest I've ever come from. But they were so focused on keeping the I's dotted and the T's crossed theologically that they theopraxically were <laughs> not even on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Everything kind of had to go through that filter. And I realized that as much as I loved their commitment to right, it was making them wrong mm-hmm. on levels that are important to Jesus. And that's a challenging thought. And so that's why I like to go back and say, Jesus said, you'll know the truth. And by the way, having lies to inform you about how to overcome freedom, not a good plan. <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> you got to have you got to have the wisdom from heaven and he's provided it for us. But do that in a way that goes to the end, which requires relationship also to get there. That's what I, I'm hearing you say. And I think it's powerful. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things wrong with making being right or dwelling, dwelling in the truth only for your sake. There's. Oh yeah, you know, relationships suffer, conflict. The, the the kingdom is less winsome, right? If people's idea of Christians is, you know, us beating each other over interpretations of this part or that part of God's word. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. Let's go kind of back the uh, the camera up a little bit and look down on a bigger picture. We've been talking about content flavored. Some of the ways we've talked about that. I'm trying to change the disciple making question from. What are you guys studying to who are we becoming? Those are things that we say. We're, we're trying to turn the dial much more toward how do, how do we serve people at different phases along the journey. You're a pastor of a local congregation. You teach every weekend or a lot of the weekends. I know you've got a, a teaching team right. there, which Chris is Miller and I. which is fantastic. So, But you're 100% part of planning the schedule. Mm-hmm of crafting how the messages, how they're prepared and, and your primary target on Sunday. We've, we've laid out three different mile markers on a disciple-making continuum, explore, develop, influence. Which of those do you preach to on any given Sunday? And how has this idea of content flavored people are different places and need different things helped shape that whole process or system as we say? I was gonna say yes. Uh, wow. to, to all of them obviously that doesn't work you need to you need to have a particular target in mind to to do an effective message so we follow that that old model you know we want to take people deeper into scripture in one series and then teach something more application in the next or justification and sanctification right talk about holy living and and how to how to redeem the brokenness in your life and talk about what's under what comes underneath it what's the foundation of that in in Jesus Christ. So, I mean, that's part of it, but we, yeah, practically we use occasionally books. We had a, just a really powerful series with a lot of just amazingly positive feedback from doing Andy Stanley's Irresistible. You know, mm. talk, you and I have talked about that, which, which did some theological work in our, in our congregation and has readied us for more missional outreach and relationship building thinking. Mm. Um, so for, for people that are exploring, we've tended to use the, the, the leadership developing at the other end of the spectrum. We've tended to do that more in the teachings and classes. We have, have had till recently something called a leadership spa, mm. you know, twice a month where we would gather people together and, and do some more in-depth teaching with you know, TED Talks and a lot of times Christian stuff through media producers. But generally, we, we are a people, we are a congregation 
in which when people on the outside we we the saying that we don't want to leave anybody on the outside looking in hmm. we're not so dynamic winsome content awesome that we that we people are like, oh i've heard of that church we got to come and listen because that's just amazing chris is a chris is a, a really awesome teacher i'm kind of trying to keep up with him <laughs> you know but but we're not marbles behind behind the pulpit right but we we recognize that we are stewarding the holy spirit in a community and so it's kind of for that middle hmm. that middle of the spectrum that that we aim our our teaching people that know they love jesus who just haven't always figured out how to make that show in their life and and how to how to translate that love into a, a life of both obedience to the best of their ability and and joy hmm. so that when people see them, they ask the question and and start to say, "I don't want to be on the outside of the of the family of God looking in. I, w- I want to come in." And a welcoming family like like ours is a is a perfect perfect host and hostess for that. I like it. We talked a little bit about how the content flavored idea influences uh, how you preach and how you structure uh, messages. How about how you shepherd or lead teams or make disciples? What other ways has this content flavored idea shaped those type of activities? We recognize that for us to have the impact that God wants, you know, a church of our of our reach and, and location to have we have to multiply leaders like like any healthy organization certainly most of all like a healthy church and so we have used the content of of what are some leadership books sources experiences that we can do to to draw people out of their out of their consumer shell and into a producer location Hmm. um what we can do to take them from merely being an influencer which i think as i've heard you teach Everybody has influence, and a mm. fraction of that group of influencers has what we would call leadership. Well, we want to bless and equip everybody to have more authentic influence, especially in the name of Jesus, but we also want to see who has those that extra charism of leadership or, or one, of the, one of the neighboring gifts that they can turn out to, to change the world, mm. to, to bless a local church and to bless the people who may not ever come through the doors or, or, or a small group of a local church. But we use, I mean, we've used, you know, Willow Creek stuff. We've used TED Talks. We've, we now use uh, your stuff. Um, and we have found that, that when we look out for, when we look to see the leaders, base, basically using, the, using the, the, the charts that you've, you've showed us. In fact, I just ended, or I, I, I the, one of the groups that I'm involved with ended their followers mate session kind of doing a reprise next week but it basically ended this morning hmm. and the leader of the group the two lead guys that were leading the group made the challenge okay where you've been talking about this you've done your gps what's next for each of you and, and so some of those are are just self-defining you know what i think i'm a person of influence and this is how i'll do it others say the same thing but it's clear and they know that we see a leadership in them that's hmm. gonna gonna have impact beyond mere influencing their their friends and neighbors so you got to be really careful because you're starting to sound more like a systems guy here ah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're talking like one i suppose it's contagious <laughs> i like it i sure hope so it would it's literally changed my life in significant ways okay let's start to uh dial this thing down toward a close it's always most important to just share just anecdotal stories 
Like, how has this changed you personally? How have you seen it change other lives personally? We're in this to change lives. Mm -hmm. Change lives that change lives that change lives. Make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Give us some anecdotal stories of how God's really moving the ball forward at Caw Prairie. Well, there's a there's a woman on our staff named Kim. I won't give you her last name because I don't want you guys to hire her away. That's she's, a smart man. She's she, she's an, an amazing. She's uh, currently our our family ministries director. And when when we hired her just a little bit ago, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, um, she was talented, high energy, winsome, and a, a leader developer. But she wasn't. She was long churched and had a good gut feel of theology, but she wasn't confident in the theology that she knew was true in her life and was and was true in Scripture. Until she went through a followers made class that that actually Katie, whom I've who I've mentioned, um, was one of the leaders in the transformation in Kim's character times calling impact has mm. been through the roof. She now asks spiritual questions in junctures of decision making that she didn't before. She presses the teams that she's leading and the followers made groups that she's growing. She's identifying people in those groups, women that some of whom I know, some of whom I don't, into leadership roles either in our local church and their other local churches. She's just been a, a case study of someone who basically I pressured the staff do this. She did it and, and it's been wow. say night and day, but it's taken her leadership to a whole nother level. There's another another pair of guys that were in that were in the first followers made group that I did, I think while I was doing the leaders made group with with you. These two guys I invited a group of Congolese first-generation immigrant children who were gathering in a Lutheran church in Kansas City. We got connected, and I said, "Hey, why don't you come sing for us and and give us a testimony?" And I thought, "Okay, who do I who do I ask to be the to be the chauffeurs? Who do I send there?" And I thought, "Well, how about the guys in my followers made group?" So hmm. half of the people that went to pick them up were followers made guys, and that intersection of what they were learning in scripture how they were learning to process critically the the different content that the books gave them and how they were able to see their own views could use some refining hmm. or challenging in this dialectic that you've set up here between the books they were so ready to be called into service and since that probably 18 months ago congolese singer choir came for us one sunday they have devoted themselves to transforming that rundown, wow, on the verge of extinction little church in in Kansas City Northeast. Uh, that ministers to the homeless. They've added showers. They've done kitchen improvements. They've. Uh, I remind them their job is to multiply their leadership, not just to nice. not just to provide their technical skills. And just this morning, one of those men said. It has literally changed my life. And this guy's a mover and shaker. He doesn't, it's not like he's lacking for places to influence, but he said, I see the call of Jesus hmm. so differently because of how disciples made, uh, followers made has formed me in this, this opportunity to, to find my calling out in the world. Hmm. So, wow. Well, those are, those are two. I mean, I don't know. We only have 40-something minutes, so that's, I can keep going. That's exceptional. And those are right on, and they illustrate the point that we really wanted to make today. So I want to go back real quickly and talk about preaching. A lot of church leaders view the teaching or the preaching ministry as the, their primary disciple-making strategy. Mm-hmm. 
and it's is it's a huge tool god set it up i believe it's 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 critical to have the apostolic teaching you see it in acts chapter 2 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching right there and a fellowship and a prayer and breaking bread all those other things but the apostles teaching is right there we mm-hmm. carry on in that tradition as trained uh, pastors prepared to uh, share the scripture uh, faithfully but but there's a dimension to that that what we're trying to say here is pretty flat even in your strategy which i think is an is a genius strategy well let's just kind of break the diet up for this series we're going to do kind of explore level thing for this series we're going to do more of a develop for this one we're going to do this the issue is when you try to do uh, multiple foods for people at different levels it's going to be hit or miss mm-hmm and you're only going to get a certain really percentage of those to really engage in those things. What if you leveraged that strategy, but you also intentionally had disciple making environments that were smaller, Mm -hmm. that addressed the very specific area that they were at in a way that invited them to go to the next phase. What you're talking about is we started doing that, whether it's followers made and leaders made or or any other tool that does something similar to this you just allowed people to take a categorical leap of spiritual transformation and they probably found what jesus calls zoe life Mm -hmm. in the process Mm -hmm. they really were developing character they really were developing calling and now just the commissionary percentage or the percentage of commissionaries in your body that's what i heard yeah absolutely that's a great way to put it they're less dependent upon you and more interdependent with you mm-hmm. and making a difference. That's got a beautiful future. Amen. You know, Jesus came to, that they might have life and have it abundantly. Mm. Everybody in these groups had life already. That's There was enough of a light bulb yeah. that I saw the life and there was health and shalom in it. What they didn't have in every case was abundant life in the in the way that abundance really works. Mm, I love it. So that's a good place to end, but I just want to make sure there's nothing left on your heart that you feel like you ought to share before we turn this thing off. Oh, I just I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Brian, uh, for, for the inspiration you've given, not just to me, but to my whole team. We, have, we don't have these bracelets because that would be a little bit weird, but we do sometimes say, what would Brian do? Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> is this a shenanigan? Yeah. Is this intense? <laughs> is this intentional shenanigans? <laughs> it, it has been. It has been asked. Yes. <laughs> you guys have been an absolute delight, Dan. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day and this busy COVID time to come hang out with us and share about content flavor. We hope that what you heard today was an encouragement to you, or that it increased your curiosity in making disciples that make disciples. If you'd like to learn more about our experiences or set up a coaching call, you can visit us at disciplesmade.com or email podcast at disciplesmade.com.